Proverbs 8, and we're going to read verses 32 through 36. The Bible says, Now therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Hear instruction, and be wise, and refuse it not. Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. But he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. Wisdom is available. God's truth is available to those who want it. Uh, this uh, section of Proverbs, really fascinating part of this collection of, of wisdom literature, and in particular, chapter 8 is sometimes referred to as the cry or the second cry of wisdom or the call of wisdom. And the reason that it's called the second call is because there is a, a passage earlier in Proverbs that's very familiar sounding, right? Very similar wording to what we see here at the beginning of uh, Proverbs chapter number eight. If you go to Proverbs one and verse 22, you see this same thing happening. Wisdom is crying out and wisdom is personified uh, throughout the Proverbs as this woman. So you have lady wisdom and she's crying out and she's crying out to anyone and everyone who will hear. And what's interesting about this second call or cry of wisdom is, is that it's being contrasted with a different call. Now, before we talk about that and really get into the heart of the message, I don't want to miss the opportunity to see something that's really exciting when you're studying Scripture, and especially when you're in the Old Testament and in a section like Proverbs. Because what we see in this early part of chapter number 8 as we're thinking about the cry or the call of wisdom, we see the gospel. We see grace. We see Jesus. There's this beautiful picture of the unity of Scripture in this section. And I, I want to read this for you. And if you have your Bible open to Proverbs 8, I want to read the first couple of verses here of uh, chapter 8. The Bible says, Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places, by the way in the places of the paths, she crieth out at the gates, at the entry of the city, unto the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things, and the opening of my lips shall be right things. Right. So before we really get into the heart of this lesson, I want you to see in these verses the gospel. Right? When wisdom is personified as wisdom, she cries out in the streets. The Bible says she's at the gates and in the uh, prominent places. The picture here is that in as many places as she could think to go, where she could find as many people as she can, she's crying out, right? She doesn't want anyone to not hear this message. The, uh, the recipients or the people she's calling to, she says the sons of men, she says uh, my children, but she also says the simple and the fool. See, if we see the gospel which is this good news for all people, we see God's grace. Isn't that awesome? That wisdom doesn't just cry out for a certain select group of people, but that even the, the fools and the simple, see, God doesn't give up on people, right? That's the gospel and that's grace. He's, he, he wa if you want to be close to God, to have a relationship with him, he wants you. That's the gospel, that's grace. And what's really awesome is as you read this uh, further in this section, and we won't read all these verses, but I want to encourage you, read this uh, chapter, chapter eight. There's this amazing description of wisdom 
it goes all the way back to creation. It talks about how wisdom was there at the beginning. And what you'll see, especially those familiar with your Bible, and if you're newer to your Bible, this is a really cool um, aspect of the scriptures, is there's this unity. You'll read this description of wisdom at creation, and it will remind you of places in the New Testament where New Testament authors wrote about Jesus and talked about his deity, particularly what we call his preexistence. Jesus was there at creation because Jesus was God. And in the same way that wisdom is personified as this woman who was present when the worlds were formed. And the idea is that the reason we need wisdom is because wisdom transcends us. God's truth transcends us. It goes beyond our simple and finite understandings to the eternal things. We need God's truth because it is eternal, because it is all-encompassing. And that's what wisdom is described as, as in these verses. So um, in this passage, in this, in this text of Scripture, we see the unity of Scripture. It's all about one thing. It's God's plan to redeem humanity from sin. It's all about one person, and his name is Jesus. And it's so cool to see in a part of Scripture that you just maybe not have thought about it before. There he is, Jesus. There it is, the gospel. There it is, God's grace. And so even as we talk about what it means to receive God's truth and apply it to our lives, as we think about wisdom's cry to you and to me, I want you to remind yourself that in it all, at the heart of it, is the love of God for you and for me, his grace and his mercy. He wants what is best for us because that's his heart for us. We see the gospel, we see grace, and we see Jesus. But as we think specifically about what we're seeing here, I want us to notice how we're contrasting. See, in the verses that we started with, verse number 32, uh, we see there's a transition happening from one section to another. It says, now therefore. So what happened before Right? Based on what has already been written, now we're going to further explain. And what we saw before is the call of wisdom, and it's contrasted here. There is a relationship between Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 7 in the same way that God's truth, that wisdom is personified as a woman. There's lady wisdom. So too is the lust of our flesh and the temptation that we experience in life is personified, and it's personified in the book of Proverbs as a woman. And in chapter 7, it's called the strange woman. So in the same way that wisdom cries out, wisdom uh, invites anyone and everyone who will listen, come, receive the truth, experience the, ble the blessing that comes from receiving the truth. There's the strange woman. There is our lusts. There's the temptation that we experience in the world. And it's crying out too, right? It wants to draw us away from God and his truth into the things of the world to satisfy our own lusts and to miss the blessings of God. And so when we talk about <clears throat> the cry, of wisdom, when we talk about this call, I want you to come and receive and hear the truth. It's in the back, it's, it's in the, with the backdrop of this strange, the reality of our sinfulness, the reality of the temptation that we experience. And so when we reach verse number 32, what, what is happening is there's a conclusion, right? We understand what wisdom desires. It says, I cry out and I cry out everywhere and to all people. And we understand what wisdom is. It's this transcendent truth. It's God's truth. It goes beyond our own understanding. That's why we need it. So now there's the conclusion, this, what is it that we're being called to? And that's where we want to focus in our attention tonight and, and really see what it is that God wants to accomplish in our lives if we will allow him. And so as we work through this outline, what we see first is a call. If this is the call of wisdom in contrast to the call of the strange woman, there is a call to focused attention. This is a really interesting part 
of the verse. If we read, read <clears throat> verse number 32, it says, Now therefore, hearken unto me, O ye children, for blessed are they that keep my ways. Our whole series has been the happy life or the blessed life. And here wisdom, as they bring to conclusion this call, she says, you need to hearken unto me, right? This is, this is language that we see throughout Proverbs. It's a strong word. The, the intention is to communicate to us a, a, a need to eliminate some of the things that distract us, that pull us away, and that help us to, uh, and that draw us away from our attention on God and that that prevent us from putting our full attention on him. She says, hearken unto me. What does she say uh, next in verse number 33? Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. Hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. She says, what I need you to do is I need you to hear what I'm saying. I need you to receive what I'm saying. And I need you to functionally and practically don't refuse it. Don't ignore it. Don't allow yourself to miss it. Because here's the thing. We have really busy lives. We have all sorts of uh, voices, all sorts of um, stuff that's clamoring for our attention. If you go back to chapter number seven, and again, this is the contrast between the call of wisdom and the call of the strange woman. When you go back to chapter number seven, what you see is a man who is drawn away in his lusts. He's enticed. But at the beginning of uh, chapter number seven, what you don't see a whole lot of like egregious stuff. He, he's just walking. He's just doing his thing. He's just living his life. And here's the thing. Most of us, we're just trying to live our lives. We're trying to go day to day. We have jobs and we have spouses and we have children and we have responsibilities. But it is so easy to become so distracted by everything that's going on around us and in our lives that we just fail to prioritize hearing and receiving God's truth into our lives. There's just so much other stuff. If this is going to happen, it's intentional and it's purposeful. I mean, think about the very fact that you're here tonight. To take time to come and gather at the church, and I know Pastor Tony feels this way and I feel this way, it's no small thing. It's no small thing. I understand and, and have a great appreciation for the fact that you would take the time to be here. It's a step that reflects a desire to just receive the truth. Not that people who aren't here don't want to receive the truth. Some people are working right now. They'd be here if they could. And I can have all sorts of commitments. But what we're saying is up each morning and spapping, if I'm going to receive God to be uh, intentional about what I receive it in the different ways I'm allowing into my life, all of that happens on purpose. It doesn't happen by accident. Nothing good, nothing beneficial, nothing that grows us or stretches us or makes us something better happens on accident. Uh, I need your focused attention. I need you to hear me and receive it and don't refuse it. I want to suggest that there's a possibility that you say, I'm, I don't think I, I'm actively refusing God's truth in my life. And I, I believe that's the case in so, much of our, in, in so many of our lives. But I do think if we were real honest, practically, functionally, sometimes we refuse it in very subtle ways, right? Whether it's we allow certain other things, lesser things, to take a greater priority in our lives than the things of God and spiritual things, whether it's we simply don't recognize just how much time we spend on distractions, things that just pull us away from what's best. There are lots of good things and things that are not bad for you that you can spend your time doing, and it's perfectly fine to do that. But if we're not regularly taking inventory, it's amazing how distracted we can become. I shudder to like share this, but 
Have you ever had one of those moments where you're driving and then all of a sudden you're like, I have been driving. Like, I have been driving on this road. Like, there have been cars in front of me and behind me. I, I've made turns. I've stopped at lights. I don't remember any of it, right? Because I had something on my mind and something that I was thinking about. And so I just drove two or three miles kind of in some sort of weird comatose state. Like I was inside my head and I didn't even have a clue what was going on around me. How crazy is that? You know what's crazy? Is that sometimes we live our lives that way. Right? Sometimes we're so inside our heads and so inside the stuff that, man, all sorts of ex excessive amounts of time can go by. And I go, wait a minute, it's Friday? I, I just, it, it was just Monday, right? What am, I, what am I supposed to do? And the encouragement to you and me is this, not that we're going to somehow eliminate our, the, 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 our nature, which is to be distracted and to miss uh, the good things in life. No, you're, you're going to have those moments in life. It's to, it's to have the, a, a mentality and a heart that says, you know what? I, I realize just how valuable this one life is that I have. And so I'm going to try to put in place some, some real, um, some things that will help me and guide me to where I need to be. If, if I can eliminate some distractions so that I can live a healthier lifestyle, so that I can give more attention to the things that are good. That's going to help me. Wisdom cries out, and she says, what I need you to do is listen and receive it, and don't refuse it. Don't refuse it intentionally, and don't refuse it passively by eliminating distractions, right? So I don't know what it is in your life, but maybe you can step back and just take some inventory and say, you know what? Wow, I spend a lot of time doing this or that. Have you ever gotten that thing that pops up on your phone or your iPad that tells you how much time you've looked at the thing? That can depress you, right? Eight and a half hours? No way, right? There's no way I spent that much time on this thing. Well, yeah, but this, that's how subtly things distract us. I want to encourage you, if, you're, uh, if you want to receive the truth, take some time to take some inventory, eliminate distractions. But we don't just eliminate distractions. We also eliminate danger zones. See, if, if we're going to have focused attention, really put ourselves in position to receive God's truth, this uh, young man in uh, Proverbs 7, He's drawn away by his lusts, and he puts himself in a real compromising situation. It's one thing to identify maybe things that aren't bad and to eliminate those distractions. It's another thing that we're talking about to eliminate danger zones. Some of us are trying to do right and grow in our faith, but we have some uh, stuff that we've been through, things that have happened in our lives, challenges that we face. Some of us are tempted in ways that others are not. And if we're not intentionally guarding ourselves from the things that we know are going to slip us up, if we're not being very, very proactive in protecting ourselves from sin and temptation, we're going to be drawn away from God's things into, uh, uh, into the stuff of the world, right? Into the stuff of our flesh. We need to ask God to help us to have wisdom to see what is it that I need to change? What is it that I can set up to protect myself? When you read this, uh, the, the situation of this young man and the plight of this young man, what you see is that the wisdom of the father that we read about earlier in Proverbs is just not applied. Don't wait until you're there, the father says. Identify it. Make, a, make intentional steps now to stay away from it, to avoid it. Um, I recently had someone, I, I watched a debate between uh, people online, and I'm a recovering commenter. If you don't know what that is, like I'm a recovering commenter, right? Some of you are right in the thick of it, right? But I'm, I'm a recovering commenter. So I 
I just would love to get in on those like situations and comment, comment. And listen, I'm not, if you comment on posts on social media, that's okay. You know, that's allowed. You're allowed to do that, right? For me, I had to really back up on that, right? And just kind of protect myself from that space. But I was witnessing one of these exchanges. I got to admit, I was tempted to jump in, right? But I'm witnessing these, uh, I'm watching one of these exchanges and they were arguing about whether or not uh, softwares that hold you accountable on like electronic devices are a good thing or not, right? And I, I found it kind of interesting that there were those who said, you know what, if you have one of those, it's just gonna bring about some false sense of security in your life. And so you need to have real character and real integrity. That sounds good, right? That does sound really good. But it made me kind of think like, it would be like arguing, I don't know that they should have guardrails on highways, because we should all just be staying on the road. You know what I mean? We should all just be able, we should all be disciplined enough to just keep ourselves on the road. I don't know that that's a big deal, right? And listen, like, I'm not trying to get into a debate with you. If you have a different opinion, that's perfectly fine. You're allowed. My point is that sometimes I feel like we have the opportunity to put some um, boundaries in place for ourselves, to protect ourselves, to protect our families, and we don't always take those extra steps for whatever reason. And Wisdom, focused attention, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen. i got to eliminate distractions, but I also got to protect myself from the things that I know draw me away, the things that I know take me down, the things that I know um, hurt me. And I don't know what that is for you. And my prayer is, and see, that's the thing, what you need and what I need is not the, like, the instructions of any person. You need the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you. Right, The best thing that you can do is to ask, pray and ask the Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, help me to be sensitive to your leading and prompting and help me to protect myself in ways that you want me to right? so that I can receive your truth and grow in truth. So a call to focused attention. right? I, he says, hearken, listen, receive, and don't refuse it. Don't refuse it on purpose and certainly don't refuse it unintentionally. Eliminate distractions and eliminate danger zones. Have the wisdom to look ahead and see where you're going. Uh, Proverbs 4, 14 and 15, enter not into the path of the wicked and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it and pass away. That is proactive. That is a plan. That's intentional, right? So there's a call to focused attention. That's the call of wisdom. But the, it's Proverbs uh, 4, verses 14 through 15. So there's another aspect to this call, though, and I, I really like this part of this uh, passage. There's, there's something interesting and unique about this. We see a call to patient affection. When we continue reading, we read in verse number 34 these words, Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. So, if we remind ourselves that this is being contrasted with what we read in Proverbs, with what we see in Proverbs 7, the call of the strange woman, the, the uh, language that's being used here is like this idea is that you have this guy and he is waiting at the posts, at the gates of the home or outside of the place where the lady that he wants to court and date lives, right? The, the contrast is really quite something when you think about it. In Proverbs 7, this guy is, is confronted by a strange woman. She's ready and willing to give him immediate gratification, and he takes it. You contrast that with what the posture, we might say, of a wise person is, and they're willing to wait. They're willing to watch. 
They're willing to be patient. A call to patient affection. If we could say it like this, it's like to be wise is to have the ability to recognize the difference between momentary gratification and the long-term benefits and blessings of faithfulness to God. The wise person waits and watches. I don't need that immediate gratification because I know that while it might be immediate, it will not last. It'll eventually drift away. But if I am willing to wait and to watch, that's how God works and God shows up. And he said, I'm waiting and I'm watching. And that's my affection is on him. As I grow in my desire for God's truth and to live out a life of faithfulness, what I do is I get to a place in my life where I want God and his truth more than I want the things of this world. Not that I'll always experience victory in my life, but that I'm coming to a place where I understand what it is I'm trading in. There is immediate gratification. I can succumb to the temptation of my flesh. I can ignore God's way and I can get some immediate gratification from that. I can get some of the, uh, what looks like so much benefit that we see in culture, but ultimately the long-term impact is as we'll see, it's destruction and death. But if I'm willing to watch and to wait, if I'm willing to have the self-control to just trust God, his way is right. His truth is right. It, it works if I'm willing to watch and wait. And I don't know if this is true for you in your life, but I know it's true for me in my life. There are some areas where I feel like it's much easier to watch and wait. And then there are other areas where I'm like, I would prefer fast food version, right? I, 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 don't, want to, I don't want to take the long road, right? But what we understand about wisdom is that wisdom is the ability to say, you know what? God's truth, is work. God's truth works. God's truth, what he has said about the way I to live my life, it works. And you know what? <clears throat> I can take the easy way, the fast way, culture's ways, right? I can, I, I can find that momentary satisfaction or I can say, you know what? I'm gonna watch, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna rest, I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna lean on God and on his word and I'm gonna be in it for the long haul, Right? It's not a short-term sprint. It's a marathon. And I'm in it for the long haul. And I'm willing to trust. I'm willing to wait. And you know what? Waiting is awful sometimes. Right? It's no fun to have to wait. We would rather get right to it. Um, um, we took the kids and we were at this place where there's, uh, you know, water slides and things like that. And the first night we were there, nobody there. Man, we were like, boom, 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 boom. Slide up, slide up. Garrett was like, this is great. Then... We went the next day, and there are all these people. And Garrett is like, where did all these people come from, Dad? I'm like, probably from other places just like we did, right? And, I mean, we're standing for ten, five minutes, ten minutes. You'd have thought my kid's legs were, like, crumbling underneath them. It's like, we cannot wait five minutes, ten minutes. I'm like, well, let's take you to Disneyland and wait two and a half hours to get on something, right? <laughs> I'm telling you that you're, you're gonna, you're, you don't understand right now, but this is really not that bad. And I kept saying to them, and I look back on now, this is such a funny thing. It's such a parent thing. I kept saying to them, you know, if we were here in the summer, you know, son, it would be so much longer of a wait. This is, this is nothing if we were here in the summer. I don't know if that's true, right? But I just know that it took us five or 10 minutes and that's not long. But man, they, I, I just want to go, I want to go now. I want, I want it to happen now. That, the devil knows those tendencies in our lives. 
And he understands for you what that thing is. And so if I'm going to be wise, I'm willing to watch him wait and trust God. I'm willing to believe that consistent faithfulness and obedience is worth it. It's worth the time, it's worth the sacrifice, and it's worth the energy because all good things take time and are worth sacrifice. And so I want to encourage you, in contrast to the cry of the strange woman who desires for us to just succumb to that temptation for immediate gratification, commit yourself to the long haul, right? Be willing to watch and wait because there's blessing in that, right? There's, there's, there's favor in that. There's benefit in that. I'm not, I'm not talking about life always being easy. I'm talking about you will never regret doing it God's way and doing right. You'll never regret having the, the, the determination that I'm not going to quit uh, even when it's difficult. Um, we weren't here on Sunday, but I listened to Pastor Chris's message and what an awesome message about not giving up. What an awesome message about just committing ourselves to a life of continued faithfulness. And I just want to encourage you, it is worth the wait. Because some of you right now, you're, you say, Pastor Matt, I feel like that's where I'm at. I'm waiting and watching. But when wisdom cries, she says, if you'll wait and watch, there's a blessing, right? So don't, don't be weary in well-doing. In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. There's a call to... Um, uh, there's a call to focused attention, and there's a call to patient affection. But what's last? There's a call to a serious attitude. When we get to the end, the contrast becomes, there's a real interesting literary, um, literary thing that happens here, right? If you were to read Proverbs 7, what you'd see is there's these repeating phrases at the end of chapter 7 that correspond and that correlate with the end of chapter number eight. And what's really interesting is that the last word of chapter seven and the last word of chapter eight, right, both in English and original languages, is the same word. And it's the word translated death, right? You say, wow, finishing things with the bright side, right? (laughs) But here's what the Bible says. For those that watch and wait, that patient affection, that willingness to trust that God has got it. Verse number 35, for whoso findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. That sounds good, right? Life and favor of the Lord, right? In this context, life would be that happy life or that blessed life that we're talking about, a life of meaning and purpose, a life you could say of some depth that has some, um, that has some stuff going on below the surface that withstands and holds uh, strong even when things get difficult. He said, that's, that's the life and it's the favor of the Lord. Now, this is an important phrase to kind of lean into. It's like, it's, it gives this impression that there might be those who don't have the favor of the Lord. Well, in a, in, a, in a broad sense, when we talk about the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous or those who believe and those who do not, there's a God who has love and grace for all people. He wants all people to believe. We know that one day there will be judgment on unrighteousness and unbelief. Right? But when it talks about in the context of us as believers or those who are seeking after God's truth and wisdom, when we talk about the favor of the Lord, we're talking about knowing that we're going in the right direction, that we have the right disposition, that we have a, a desire to move forward. And there's nothing like knowing that I'm where my Father wants me to be. Right? There's nothing like knowing that I'm on the right path and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it doesn't bring, in its right place, it doesn't bring about pride in our lives. 
right? It humbles us. It's like, man, it was like when Peter wrote that it's, it's but for the grace of God, go I, right? Things are going well. People are believing when they hear the gospel message. I'm being used and praise the Lord. I mean, all for his grace, right? And when we talk about the favor of the Lord, talk about being in a place where we know I'm where the Father wants me to be. That's a good feeling, isn't it? I'm not perfect, but I'm where the Father wants me to be. I'm going in the right direction. And as, as wisdom brings this call, this cry to a conclusion, she wants to make it so important to us to understand that the stakes are very high. When she talks about life and the favor of the Lord, because it concludes this way in verse number 36, but he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. All they that hate me love death. The very same uh, language and pretty serious um, uh, pronunci- pronunciation at the, end of verse number, at the end of chapter seven is here at the end of chapter number eight. What's the point? The point is to say this, as wisdom cries out and calls to us, receive the truth. We have to take it seriously. Um, We have to recognize that we have one life. We have limited time. We have the relationships that we have with us. See, this isn't meant uh, to make things depressing or to stress us out. But when the Bible in the New Testament talks about this idea of being sober-minded, right? It's just about, it's just about being, taking things seriously. I have some tremendous stewardships and responsibilities in my life. I'm a husband. I have young children. I can't tell you, uh, like, it's, I mean, some of you who have grown children, you have grandchildren, um, you just have to bear with me. I, I don't like, I'm going through all this new stuff, right? Um, Sonia was riding along with me yesterday. We went to, we drove to New Albany. I know you all know where that is. I had no idea where I was going, right? But I went to New Albany to get something for Brooklyn. She's turning five, and I drove to New Albany to get her this giant dollhouse. Don't tell her. It's a surprise. But uh, Sonia rode with me, and we're riding in the car, and she just has 11-year-old, 10-year-old, 11-year-old problems, you know? She's like, Dad, I think 13, that's my next big birthday. I think I'm still going to like American Girl dolls. Do you think Brooklyn wants an American Girl doll party? Because it would be weird, you know, if she has a party and I have a party. These are the things that keep you up at night when you're 10 and 11. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I I have it on good authority that she does not want to have that kind of party. So I think you'll be good. And she said, but who knows, dad, I turned 13. Maybe I won't like that stuff anymore. And I really, it was in the moment where I had to say, you will like that stuff. Like you, you, you will not like anything else, right? You will not, you'll be the same as you are right now because I desperately need this to stop, right? This this terrible march of time as you get older and, and all these different things that happen in your life. But it was a moment where I, I was reminded of just what a, a precious gift she is to me, right? Just how awesome of a privilege it is to be a father and to have the opportunity to steward that life. And when we recognize that, man, this is serious. I mean, people's lives and relationships and Things are on the line. It's not meant to burden us with this like overwhelming sense that I have to do something. It's just about taking right now seriously, right? And maybe just maybe if we would have that kind of attitude, it would just do enough to nudge us to make some of the changes that we've been waiting to make. 
Maybe it would nudge us just enough to say, you know what? I've been letting this go. And I've been giving myself that line, I've got time. I have plenty of time. But when you sin against me, it says you sin against your own soul. To reject God's truth and his wisdom and, and what, he, uh, uh, what he reveals to us in his word and through the working of his Holy Spirit when it comes to our spouses and our children and our work and our daily lives, to reject it is counterproductive, right? It doesn't feel counterintuitive. It, when we reject it, it feels like it's the right thing to do because of that sin problem that we have. While it's not counterintuitive, we think we're doing the right thing. It's definitely counterproductive. It says we sin against our own soul, right? I don't mean to bring up tough things for some of you, but some of you know what I'm talking about. And can I speak a word of encouragement to you? Don't look back and let guilt and shame and regret overwhelm you. Because you can't do anything about the past, but you can do something about the future. But I know that some of you know from experience that if I don't take it seriously now, it could mean something in the future. That isn't meant to scare us. That's meant to just remind us, like wake us up. When the Bible talks in the New Testament, uses that language, awake that you sleep. It's because it's just so easy to go to sleep. It's so easy to coast. But we have to have a serious attitude when it says that there's, uh, that there's death and destruction. What it's talking about is that I have to be willing to take seriously the stewardships and the responsibilities that God has blessed me with and to have a mind that says, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't have an unlimited amount of resources and time. I've got one. And so I want to take it seriously and be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and make changes and grow and be better because that's what I want to do. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm taking it seriously. And so maybe for you, as we just kind of bring this whole uh, series on wisdom to a close, maybe for you, it's just as simple as, I think there've been some areas in my life where I've just been kind of just coasting. And I, and I realize, like, I've got to take this seriously. We're talking life and death stuff. We're talking about the spiritual lives of people. We're talking about really important things. And if, if I'm going to be a wise person, if I'm going to hear wisdom's call, I'm going to, I'm going to start to recognize, like, it's not worth messing around. You know, I've got, I have serious uh, responsibilities, and I want to take it seriously. Um, again, my heart is not to, man, it's like, oh, this is de depressing. And then you drive home and you think, am I, am I doing things right? Am I doing things wrong? No, the, it's just stir up in us a heart to say, you know what? I, 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 I love my spouse enough to make sure that things are where they need to be. And I love my children enough. And, I, and, I, and I'm serious enough about God's calling in my life. I, I just want to take it seriously. Be sober, be vigilant, the Bible says, because you have an adversary, right? And whatever he can do, and if he can lull you to sleep, if he can get you to just kind of, oh, it's fine, he'll do that. And for each and every one of us, with all that God has blessed us with, we have an opportunity to make a real difference. And I'm not talking about a difference in the world, right? Just hold your horses, man. Just make a difference in your house and <laughs> at your workplace and just let God use you where you are and and don't get so overwhelmed with like the enormity of the task. Just say, you know what? If I put myself where I can just receive God's truth and rest in God's truth and trust. And maybe for some, it's like, I'm just, I've been waiting, watching. I'm trying to like just plug it away. Don't, don't quit. You know what's right. You know what God has said. You know what he's called you to. Just keep at it. Trust God. He's going to take care of it.
That's wisdom's call. And in, in, the, in contrast to the call of the lust of our flesh and the temptation of the world, which would call us to just whatever distractions, whatever things might bring us pleasure, that immediate gratification, or to just kind of like coast through and like, now say no to that and say yes to God and his truth and, and let, that, let that change you. Let that create in you, stir up in you a desire for something different. 